0: I'm sorry. What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Short Course Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield. Philip will be joining me later on in this episode. As we mentioned on Monday, this episode is solely dedicated to talking about the Oklahoma State Vanderbilt Baseball Series at Albright Stadium this weekend. This is one of the biggest non-conference series in all of college baseball uh, this year. Uh, there were some really good games between the Big 12 and the SEC, but those were one-game matchups. This is three games with two of, some, two of the best teams in college baseball, Vanderbilt is number two in the country for a reason. Oklahoma State is nine, I believe, in one ranking, 11 in another. Either way, Oklahoma State is obviously a very good 10-0-1, coming off a huge win against ORU on Tuesday, who they have consistently struggled against uh, during Josh Holliday's tenure. So a big win there, three uh, 5 nothing. Uh, Justin Campbell was fantastic. So this episode is solely dedicated to baseball, which excites the hell out of me because I always want to talk about baseball as much as I can help me break this series down and the magnitude of it is Burt Granger. He is a Midwest baseball scout for D1 Baseball, does a lot of great work there. He does some work over at 2080 Baseball as well, where I've I've done some work as well. He covers the the MLB draft for them. And then you talk about Oklahoma State, his friend of the show, Trey Cobb. He's been on multiple times. It's been a little while, but he's going to come on. He's going to talk about. Oklahoma State and what he's seen from them this year and how they can do in a series like this. Uh, this is going to be one of the toughest tests that Oklahoma State will face this year. As Outside of the Big 12, Texas Tech and TCU are going to be really tough as well. But Vanderbilt's a great litmus test for where this team is at at this point in the year when you have two pitchers like they do in Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. Guys that are going to go and make first round money in the MLB draft in June. It's going to be a really big test for this team, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they do and where they are at and see if they can steal one or maybe even two and try and win this series. Uh, that would be huge. And if, if they find a way to take two or three or even you know win one game, I feel really good about where Oklahoma State is at for this season going into conference play, which will start next weekend against Texas Tech in Lubbock, which is going to be another big test. Well, without further ado, let's get right into it. We'll have an ad break early on in this one. And then we'll get into my interview with Burt Ranger. And then we'll hear Philip joining me with Trey Cobb after that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll be right back. Joining me now is Burt Granger. He is a Midwest baseball scout and insider for D1 Baseball. He got a look at Vanderbilt over the last weekend. I've known him for a couple of years. I wanted the opportunity to come on and talk, you know, kind of baseball nerd out a little bit, which I don't get to do very often on this show. So I'm very excited. Burt, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Joel. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, you were in, you were at, in Nashville for the Vanderbilt University, Illinois, Chicago series over this past weekend you were able to see kumara rocker and jack lighter in person along with, you know vanderbilt's just a machine they have so many guys but those are obviously the two names that come to the forefront so you've gotten firsthand look at them so i you know this is a huge series in stillwater this weekend so i wanted you know just some you know some scouting look and maybe you know help our listeners learn a little bit more about the guys that are coming in here this weekend
1: yeah so i mean oklahoma state has has a tough test for sure um Vanderbilt is as good as anyone in the country and this weekend will be a big test for them I'm sure Oklahoma State this will be the biggest test for Vanderbilt as well um but Vanderbilt you know they have this national footprint when it comes to recruiting and that shows in the results so when they announced their starting lineup it was like Cooper Davis Ontario Canada uh Carter Young Washington State uh, Dominic keek in massachusetts parker Nolan, tennessee isaiah thomas florida uh spencer jones california jake Bulger maryland like that's what comes from being at the top of the national level year in and year out is you get to diversify yourself with so much talent across the country so if your home state has a down year from from a prep standpoint no worries you can just grab <laughs> grab a few guys from california and you're all good so starting at the top, uh, you know, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter are two of the best college baseball pitchers out there. You know, most publications have them one and two in terms of starting, starting pitching, uh, prospects in either order. So, um, both of them were, were very good for me in my look. So it's always good when you go to see a couple guys in particular and they show very well. So for me, what I saw out of Rocker is he struggled a little bit with commander Lee, um, Walked walked a guy, I think hit a guy, wasn't hitting his spots. And then about halfway through the third inning, he was really able to to get right, uh, refocus, and then he dominated the rest of the game. Retired his final 11 batters he faced. Uh, On the day, he got 20 swings and misses. Uh, Ten of those came with his fastball, nine with his slider, uh, one with his cutter. And the knock on Rocker, if he had one, is that the fastball was pretty straight. And he wasn't missing a lot of bats with it. There's not a lot of horizontal movement, and that kind of changed this weekend. Um, he, you know, like I said, he missed ten bats with his fastball. Um, and so the question is is whether or not he would be successful in missing bats. I think he answered some of those questions um, over this past weekend. Now the opponent was Chicago University of uh, Illinois, Chicago. So. It's not Oklahoma State. It's not an SEC opponent. Um, so we'll see how that plays out this, this coming weekend and then once he gets into conference play. Um, but for Rocker, his slider is an elite pitch. It's perhaps one of the best pitches in, in the entire draft class. Now, its break is almost all, all vert- vertical. It's like a 12-6 to 6 break on a curveball, um, but it's hard like a slider. And it tunnels really well with its fastball which is what makes it so difficult to lay off of. And and when I saw him, it was, it was untouchable. So he primarily works fastball slider. He did throw a few change-ups and literally just a few. He only gave up two hits on the day and both were off of his change So it's firm, it's 86 to 90, uh, and there's not a lot of movement to it. It's just kind of a show-me pitch that he's using right now against left-handed hitters. Uh, but like I said, he was really just doing Illinois Chicago a favor and speeding up their bats by throwing them a high eighties changeup because that high eighties changeup, that's going to be the fastballs that that Illinois Chicago is facing when they, they start horizon league play. So he, he did for me, his best third pitch was his cutter. It's 88, 87, 88. He knew it's a pretty newly developed pitch. He, he developed it over the offseason. Didn't throw a ton of those either. Um, but whereas the slider has that elite vertical break, the cutter is more horizontal. And it basically gives him a third pitch against righties, much like the changeup is against lefties. Uh, for me, they both lag behind the fastball and slider, but they're serviceable third and fourth options. So uh, the key to beating lighter if, if Oklahoma State is going to try to get some runs, off, or sorry, the key to beating rocker if, if Oklahoma State is going to try to to, to score some runs off him is they need to be aggressive on the fastball early in the count because if he gets you 0-2, 1-2, and you're on your heels chasing that slider, you have no chance. Or, or worse, if you're sitting slider, you're not going to catch up to 97 right down the middle. So uh, that to me is, is, is the key to beating a, an elite talent like Kumar Rocker, which is obviously easier said than done.
0: Yeah, it, his his projection is just ridiculous, and there, I think there is some level of like prospect fatigue because we've seen him for three years now, and he's just shoved no matter what he's done. I'd still go back to the the start when he was a true freshman throwing that no hitter against Duke in regionals, mm-hmm. and that which is I think just showed you where he was at as a freshman to be able to, to shove the way he did, and now he added in that cutter, and it's just adding another weapon to an arsenal that's already ridiculous. Said and in. You know, college, he's, somewhat, he's really able to really just get away fastball slider. The changeup and the cutter are just good enough now, which it, when it's good enough now in college, you're going to be just fine. Uh, what do you think – what are your thoughts on Jack Leiter? He's another very well-regarded prospect, going to probably go in the top five. Uh, does it a little bit differently? He's – I mean, Kumar Rocker's giant. He, mm. He's what, like 6'5", 6'6"? 6'5", 245. Yeah, and Jack Leiter's about six foot. You know, one eighty-five. You know, one ninety, and yep. still, I mean, it's it's upper nineties. It's you know, 95, 96. And I saw some. I think the gun was hot when they showed he was hitting a hundred. But you yes, know, it's upper it ninety. It's upper nineties with a
1: really good breaking ball. Added a cutter in as well. Uh, where? What are your thoughts on him overall? So this was actually the fifth time I've seen Jack lighter live, and as you would expect from a guy with that elite pedigree. Um, you know, he was a first round talent coming out of Del Barton High School in New Jersey in high school. Um, obviously, he's he's only gotten better under Scott Brown's tutelage and Tim, tutel- uh, Tim Corbin's tutelage at, at Vanderbilt. So, it was my best look at him this, this past Sunday. You know, he went five innings, struck out 11, only gave up one hit. It was an infield hit. Uh, did walk three people. So, So yeah, he's got a quick arm. Now I I like his fastball. It it might be a tick slower than, than rockers, but I like, I like the life on the fastball better than rockers. Uh, It's got some nice riding life. There's a common misconception uh, in the public space as it relates to, to lighter that he's this, this premium command guy. And that's not the case. So, and, and it's not a knock on him. It's just one of the few areas that he actually actually needs to show some significant improvement on. So on Sunday when I saw him, uh, he did struggle to spot his fastball early, walked two guys in the first, but he also struck out three guys in the first. So he gets himself into trouble, but he has that elite stuff to get himself out of trouble. Um, he had eight strikeouts uh, – er, sorry, eight of his first outs on the day were via the strikeout. Um, you know, his fastball is still a very good pitch. It's a, it's a plus pitch, and he's able to locate it better up and down and change the eye level with it than he is to to spot it really glove side at the knee and that's what he needs when he does that uh, spots it at the knee to a right-handed hitter on his glove side that, then he's really untouchable so if he's able to work ahead then set people up he has two you know two breaking balls that I I would I would grade out as above average or better his his curveball is an absolute hammer it's you know seventy four to seventy seven it's one of my favorite pitches in the draft and. Um, it, his curveball has always been one of my favorite pitches. It's it's twelve to six movement, real downer action. I'm sure you can find some some gifs of Pitching Ninja of him locking up someone with his curveball. It's he didn't throw it a ton on Sunday. He threw a slider more. Um, it was just it seemed like he had better feel for the slider that day. His slider is like seventy eight to eighty three. and that has that traditional like two plane break where it breaks both horizontally and vertically. Uh, and he can miss bats with it too. It's it's late breaking. Um, he he threw a changeup a, a couple times to left-handed hitters, and and that looked good. It's it's thrown with deceptive arm speed and late fade. Uh, and then like like rocker, he developed the cutter in the off season too. He, he he throws it a little harder. It was eighty-seven to ninety, so that gives him kind of a fifth pitch and a, a little bit deeper arsenal than rocker. Um, now how you would beat. A guy like Leiter is you hope his command's off, like it was against Georgia State uh two weeks ago or in the first inning against Illinois Chicago. Uh hope hope you get that pitch count up and get him out of the game. But um, you know, that's a blessing and a curse because Vandy's pretty deep in the bullpen too.
0: Yeah, when when you <laughs> when you're trying to talk about key success to beating someone and you have the word hope involved, that doesn't give you a ton of confidence. <laughs> but I think that just speaks to how great Vanderbilt is at so many levels. And yeah, Jack Leiter, I, I I'm way higher on, on Kumar than I am uh, and Jack, and that's not a knock on Jack Leiter. He's he's gonna go in the you know in the top five, and he's gonna be a highly regarded prospect, and there he is for a reason. But I I've gotten to watch Cumul, yeah. When he sprays he sprays his fastball all over the place sometimes, and yeah. which you know when you lead to walks. And I will say that is one benefit of Oklahoma State is that they are very disciplined hitters. They don't run themselves into counts very often by chasing out of the strike zone. So. They will. They are more than willing to just keep their bat on the shoulder and make you throw strikes. You know, and if you know if Lighter's spraying his fastball and they're able to spit on the curveball when you know in a a favorable count, then you're maybe you're going to be able to get a crooked number early and see where things go. But yeah, but both of these guys are going to be a really tough test for this team. I think they have the hitters to do it on you know lefty righty, but it's really going to depend on how. Disciplined Oklahoma State is if their command is off and how aggressive they are when these guys are able to to get in the zone. So sometimes it feels like Oklahoma State's too selective and they get that fastball two one and just spit on it. And like you against these guys, you can't you can't get to two strikes because they have so many weapons they can go to that it, it would be a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean you're absolutely right, and it's it's easier said than done. You got to you got to jump on these guys early. Um, but both have the ability to pitch backwards too, and if, if you 're sitting sense. on a fastball and you get you get one of these elite Kumar rocker sliders like you 're just going to be locked up and you 're going to look foolish early in the count too These, these guys are you know they 've been on the, both both were first round talents out of high school, like i said, so they they 've had premium stuff their whole lives, and they 've only gotten better at Vanderbilt and their pitch ability has gotten better, their ability to sequence their pitches so uh it's really a difficult task and i i would hate to face them
0: yeah who before we move on to the the lineup and some of the hitters you got who are some guys in the bullpen to look out for
1: so so one guy that i liked a lot that i saw he came in and got a multi-inning save on sunday was ethan smith and he was he was more like 92 94 with this fastball some herky-jerky delivery hides the ball well. Um, and then the slider is a true just wipeout pitch. He got a bunch of swings and misses on the slider. It was like 83 to 86. Um, so, yeah, I think he's gotten two saves this year. He was a guy that I really liked. Nick Maldonado was another guy. who was He was more like 91 to 95, uh, had, had a curveball and a slider. He was another guy that missed a bunch of bats with a slider. Uh, it was really like a 55 or 60 pitch for me. And then – uh, another guy that I kind of liked was Luke Murphy, another right-handed, hit, right-handed pitcher. He, he was 93 to 96 um, with an 80, 80 to 81 mile per hour slider with a lot of horizontal movement. So just a bunch of guys, like, like I said, you feel like you're, you're doing well to, if you're able to knock their starters out. Um, it's a blessing and a curse because they, you never know who they're going to roll out. Because they're, you know, the the ninth or tenth pitcher on Vanderbilt staff would be throwing Friday nights for ninety percent of the other oh, yeah. colleges around the country.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I saw, I, I love Rob Freeman pitching ninja because he the, all the college gifts he's been doing recently. But he saw Hugh Fisher throwing like yes. Randy Johnson back foot sliders. Like, are you kidding me? Like,
1: there's no hole anyway. That was one that, like, so when I'm at a game and I see, I see action in the bullpen, I get out my camera and I zoom in on the bullpen to find out who's throwing over there because I was just waiting for Fisher to come in because I haven't seen him live. And then I was watching the game on TV last night on Tuesday, and all of a sudden I see Fisher coming. I'm like, what? I, I'm spoiled because I saw these amazing outings by Leiter and Rocker, and I'm still kind of pissed off that I missed Hugh Fisher, so – I'm really can never be satisfied and that's
0: now now what's worse that or not being able or guys not wearing uh, numbers during batting practice.
1: Oh man. Don't get That's, that is the worst for me. Like when you show up, when you show up two and a half hours before a game and they're not wearing you, you get, you get your camera set up for batting practice and they're not wearing uh, their numbers on their BP jerseys. I know it's cold. Listen, I'm, I live in Columbus, Ohio. It's cold here. So when I travel South, to watch some baseball and there's you know there it's a little chilly for them so they have their sweatshirts on instead of their bp jerseys and they're not wearing their their numbers and you have to try to identify guys by batting stance i'm pretty good at that but i'm i'm, I'm not perfect so i'm missing some guys so if there's any anything you can take from this podcast and glean from this podcast young baseball players Make sure your number's showing during batting practice so people know who you are. Yeah, that when I covered the Texas League for
0: twenty eighty, yeah, that was my biggest thing. I'd show up, you know, two hours early and I'd set up and I'm like, okay, I don't know who any of these guys are. This is awesome. So I just let yeah. my camera run and hope that I found somebody when I when the, when the gang started, I'm like, Oh, I think I recognize that stance. I think that's right.
1: Yeah. You have to compare you have to compare it back and forth to one another. Um, and there was a few guys that I was able to do it, what other otherwise you're you're kinda SOL. Oh, yeah. So
0: moving over to the line, the starting lineup, they, you know, I'm looking at just, I don't, I haven't gotten a good look at any of these guys, um, yeah. but just looking at the stats, uh, Dominic Keegan has 17 hits this year and 13 of them are extra base hits. His OPS is 1800. Oh my God. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a just stupid. He's, he's
1: slugging 13,
0: 1300. He's slugging
1: 1300. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's- yeah, he he's a obviously a big run producer in the middle of their lineup. First baseman, swinging a hot bat. Um, he's got a compact. There's there's nothing really. Um, you know, he I don't think he hit a home run last year. It was a shortened season, but didn't hit a home run. He's got four already this year, and it's just a simple compact stroke that he finds the barrel and, and is able to has enough strength to to drive it out. It's it's good bat speed. It's not elite bat speed, but. Uh, he entered the year as probably like a fifth through 10th round draft pick. And if he's able to to keep, he's not going to be hitting 550 in SEC play. But if he shows well in SEC play, um, there's always a, a premium on college power. And if he can show that during SEC play, he could really make himself uh, a lot of money this spring. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's the one that I would say makes the offense go. Two other guys in the lineup that I really like, and they're underclassmen, uh, once Carter Young, he's their their sophomore uh, shortstop, or maybe he, I forget how he classifies himself, COVID freshman or second year freshman. But he he's a guy who's been on the national scene for a long time. He played on the, the same USA Baseball eighteen and under team as like Jared Kelenek, Nolan Gorman, Tristan Cases back when back when Young was an underclassman. So he wasn't quite as talented as those guys at that time, especially when you. Uh, You watch him play, uh, but when you watch him play, you can see kind of why he was selected. He's a switch hitter. He's a smooth defender. uh, And at the time, he had a lot of positional versatility. So he played shortstop for the Commodores, but at that time, he was playing all over the infield. Any infield position, he was playing the outfield, and he was actually a pretty damn good catcher at that time. Um, So like I said, now he's holding down the shortstop slot for Vandy, and he looked really good this past weekend. A good first step. He took good routes, uh, looked especially good coming in on the ball. Um, he's got a strong, accurate arm with carry across the diamond. And he hit a couple home runs this weekend, uh, both of those from the left side. He's got four home runs this year. And and when he was in high school, like I said, he's a switch hitter. But when he was in high school, the left side was his weaker side. So it's good to see him getting more reps from that that side and looking good doing it. So he's going to be a big-time draft guy next season. Uh, the other guy, and he's one of my kind of prospect crushes and has been since he was a sophomore in high school. So it's Enrique Bradfield Jr. Uh, first saw him play, like I said, as a sophomore uh, for American Heritage. He was, this was an NHSI tournament in Cary, North Carolina. Now he was already committed to Vanderbilt and well known at that time. So I'm not not at all claiming that I discovered him. But Saw him play, and you know he was on an American Heritage team that included a first round pick, Tristan Cases, and it also had a uh, Corey Acton, who's who's with the University of Florida now. So uh, Bradfield, you know, he's their seventh or eighth hitter right now for Vanderbilt, but he's going to be their leadoff hitter very soon. If if not this year, then it'll be next year, and I don't expect him to relinquish that spot until he's a a top three round pick in a couple seasons. So. Out in the outfield, he's, he's an instinctual defender. He made a diving play in center field uh, on a line drive in the first inning. A rocker start that would have scored you know one or two runs. Uh, he's a plus runner. Uh, he's an elite runner. Uh, fun player to watch. I had him uh, three point eight nine down the line on a ground ball this weekend. And for those for those listening at home, that's elite speed. Um, he's hitting nearly four hundred this season. He's got more walks than strikeouts. He's already got 11 stolen bases this year and, and what, <laughs> 12 games. So like wow. yeah. he, he's, he's good. He's, you know, as the freshman, I, I'm just looking, I think he's going to be one of those Tony Kemp type stars that Vanderbilt always has uh, when it, like the face of college baseball type player in two or three years. Yeah.
0: It, it always Vanderbilt along with their, they're just, a, they've been a pitching factory for the better part of the last decade, but I mean, you look at the the prospect guys they've had last week: Dansby Swanson, JJ Bladé, um, Austin Martin. Out of this last class, like there's always somebody yep. that pops and ends up as a first round pick, either as a pitcher. You know, they always have at least one guy that's a pitcher and one guy that's a hitter. It happens essentially every year. So, uh, I was curious that I hadn't really heard much about anybody, but it seems like I like Dominic Keegan's a dude that's really going to be a helium riser if he continues to to hit the way he did. We're obviously looking at a very small sample size at this point, so I, it's really mm-hmm. hard to you know, to say that, oh, yes, he's really going to hit 500 the rest of the year. That's just not how it's going to work. But you're you're seeing indications early, oh, yeah, this guy's going to stick around. He's going to be really good for a a significant period of time.
1: Yeah. And so entering the year on the position player side, their top prospect in this draft class was Isaiah Thomas. He's a a right fielder, left fielder type. Um, No, I didn't get a good look. He started one game and then pinch hit in the next game. And – his timing looked off. It looked like he had some trouble recognizing spin was uncomfortable in the box. So I'm not going to judge him too harshly. It was, it was a bad look at him, but it was also a small sample. Um, curious to see if he gets, if he's able to write the shit because when he's right and I've seen him play better, he is a top three round type position player. Um, so curious to see if he's able to, to get right this weekend or next weekend when conference play starts.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a really tough test for an Oklahoma State pitching staff that I believe has the, I think they had the second lowest ER, team ERA in all of college baseball after their their shutout yesterday against Oral Roberts. And I believe Vanderbilt's number three. So the runs are very much going to be at a premium this weekend. So Oklahoma State's going to need to take advantage of their opportunities on the mound and at the plate. It's going to be, this is going to be a really fun series. I'm, you know, I'm obviously excited as an Oklahoma State fan to when you have a team like Vanderbilt. Come to to you know a brand new stadium and you get to you know christen it in this way is going to be huge. We were supposed to see Oregon State last year uh, before mm. the season ended. So to get when you get a school like Vanderbilt in kind of a rushed, chaotic schedule, uh, I'm, this is going to be a ton of fun. As a as a fan of baseball, I mentioned it on the last show. Yeah, I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Cool. I, I get to watch Kumar Rocker and Jack White this weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for just baseball yeah. in general.
1: Yeah, this is going to be. It's a great serious for college baseball when you see – because, I mean, in the Big 12, Oklahoma State is looking like one of the more impressive teams as of now. There's a lot of teams faltering. Um, and then Vanderbilt is, unsurprisingly, doing Vanderbilt things. So get getting these two teams from – I love when two teams from power, to power 5 conferences face off in non-conference play. Uh, it's a good – to me, it's a good barometer to find out how good these teams are before they start beating up on one another – in, in conference play.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those like, I, I right now, I think Oklahoma state's going to be able to steal one and it's going to be the game that rocker and lighter don't pitch. just, because I just don't know if Oklahoma going to be able to, to get, get behind in the count enough to make them pay, but going one and two against Vanderbilt, that's not going to hurt you at the end of the day. And you know, unless right. they get, unless they get swept and absolutely annihilated, which I don't think is going to happen because I think, I think Oklahoma state's good enough to be able to hang with them for three games. It'll probably be three close games, you know, what kind of coin flip one way or the other. I feel really good about where Oklahoma state's at at this point. And then they go to Texas tech in Lubbock, you know, doing them, you know, just a brutal stretch. You get, you get Vanderbilt and then you have to go to Texas tech, my goodness. But this is going to be, this is the team that I, in Oklahoma state that I think if they, if they hang around this weekend, you know, take, they take one of three, I still feel good that they're going to be a team that's going to be able to win the big 12 or at least come close. They're going to be up there with Texas tech and TCU this year. So it's going to be, it's going to be a ton of fun, I, and I'll be there for the games on Friday and Saturday, so I, I'm excited to, to enjoy the new stadium and, and get to watch one of the best teams in college baseball play OSU. It's going to be a tough test. I, I,
1: and I, I hope it works out that you get to see Locker and, rock, uh, rocker and Lighter, like, like we were talking about before we flipped on the mics. Um, I think Vanderbilt is, is trying to get those two back on their Friday-Saturday schedule, as was intended when the season started. Uh, Things got out of whack when they didn't start their first game until a Monday doubleheader and they've been trying to incrementally push them back to their normal Friday Saturday slots so hopefully the weather works out for you and you're able to see those two uh, in their natural habitat on Friday and Saturday night.
0: Yeah, it should be a ton of fun. Well, Burke, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. For anyone that wants to follow your work at D1 Baseball, plug your social media and all that good stuff.
1: Sure, it's just Burke Granger, B-U-R-K-E-G-R-A-N-G-E-R, all one word. Uh, and then that's it. That's my that's my handle. So, yeah, uh, follow, follow me on Twitter and subscribe to D1 Baseball so I can keep going out and seeing fun guys like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter.
0: Yeah, absolutely well thank you Berg. this has been a ton of fun I appreciate the insight
1: all right thank you very much Joel thanks for having me yep take care now joining me to talk about Oklahoma
0: State in the side of things for this great series at O'Brate Stadium Philip is now joining me and we are also joined by Mets pitching prospect friend of the show former Cowboy pitcher Trey Cobb how's it going man
3: doing good. I'm excited for some good Cowboy baseball this weekend.
0: It is this is going to be a really tough and fun test for this team. It, it's so awesome. This is going to be one of the best non-conference weekend series that college baseball has to offer this year. It's at O'Brate Stadium. It's going to be on ESPN Plus. It's going to be for, you know, a national audience to be able to see, you know, a showcase for this team against one of the best teams in the country, if not the best.
3: Yeah, what, what's what's really interesting is I think most Oklahoma State fans would look at this as a potential for us to shock people or make a name for ourselves or you know pull off a typical like Oklahoma State sports upset where a big name team comes to our place we have a good crowd we enjoy it we upset them and it's really cool but you know we played you know I played at Oklahoma State for four years we had one tough year my senior year but the other three we were one of the we were pretty much the cream of the crop the big 12 every year and this team would have beat the brakes off of every team that we had when I was there. Just looking, you go, I mean, position by position. You know, I did this the other day. You're, like, going position by position. I'm take that guy. And I think we had – I think Thomas Hatch was, like, the only pitcher I kept from, like, all of us, you know. And, you know, it's like, okay, we got Thomas Hatch and Donnie Walden, and that might be it. And we dominated the Big 12 when the Big 12 was about – like, you look at those rosters TCU had, Texas Tech and Texas. Those guys are elite. We never went to one game where we thought, ah, this we could upset some team. Like, we always played with the target on our back. And and every time you put on that jersey, it's just like a different feel. And you feel like you're the hunted. Even if you are the hunter, like, from the outside perspective, like, from the inside the locker room, you feel hunted. And that's what's so interesting about this, this scenario and this series is from the outside looking in it's so obvious, wow, Oklahoma State has a good chance to upset Vandy. But from the inside, if they don't win two of three at least, like, they're going to be pissed. (laughs) Like, everybody in the locker room, everybody's going to expect to win every game. And I think that that is what uh, makes this this team really, really interesting and this weekend really fun.
0: Yeah, I kind of – I was thinking through this the other day uh, watching – I think it was a game on Saturday. And I was thinking about that that college World Series team in 2016 – and that was a good baseball team. Like, y'all were, y'all were awesome and, you know, rightfully, you know, came, you know, third place in the country for a reason. And I was thinking through the team that I see on the field this year, just talent-wise. Or, and it's still early, but you can, you can tell the talent difference, right? And, yeah, like Thomas Hatch, Tyler Buffett, you, like that. I mean, you know, there were some guys on that, you know, in that team that were like, okay, they got some solid pitchers, but the, the, the depth that you have in the starting rotation, you have a legit midweek guy. In Justin Campbell for the first time in years. Like it feels like they either have, you know, a long reliever that they'll throw out there or, you know, kind of an unproven guy or bullpen it. But no, Justin Campbell will be a Friday starter for a lot of schools. And he's your, he's your midweek guy lineup. The lineup is just so lengthy up and down for the, the team this year. And, you know, you, you had Donnie Walton on that World series team, and he's in the major leagues for a reason. He was really good. And you had a bunch of guys that just, the, the lineup just worked, but there was it was just super inconsistent at times, and we saw that in Omaha when the the offense just kind of sputtered out, of, you know, and sputtered out, and you didn't get a lot of production there. You get production up and down the lineup for this team. A lot of guys that are super patient. You got some mashers in the middle with Encarnacion, Strand, Mathis, Cavaness can get into one. Uh, Alex Garcia. I, th- I think the ceiling on this team is incredibly high, and this is going to be a really tough test. And I, I've talked about it before. I mentioned it on the last episode that. Oklahoma State loses two or three this weekend, unless they get absolutely annihilated. I'm not gonna, you know, take too much away from Oklahoma State because Vanderbilt's who they are. They're a machine. But if Oklahoma State can just play tough for a whole weekend, find a way to sneak one and go from there, I feel really good about where this team is at. I don't I'm not gonna take too much away from losing a series to a team like Vanderbilt who there's a very good chance Oklahoma State sees in Omaha as well.
3: Yeah, no doubt. But just from our our side of things, like Josh Holiday will be embarrassed if Vandy takes two of three. He will, and that is, and that's why we have him. That's why we love him. You know, that's why that's why he's done what he's done for that program. Is his expectation is we're going to win every single game, and if we don't win, we're going to have a twenty-minute talk in left field after the game about what just happened, why we lost. <laughs> you know, and then that's that's why he's pushed this program to new heights and and where it is. And I think that that is really the coolest thing that you could say about him is that if we don't take two or three from the number two team in the country, he will stay up all night thinking what just happened instead of winning two or three going, Oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> so, so uh, I am you know,
2: I'm curious, Sorry, I am curious from that standpoint, you know, it, it is from a fan perspective. This is the number two team in the country coming to Stillwater. Well, you, know, if you want to make a Facebook or Facebook a football comp, it's like saying Clemson's coming to OSU to play a football game, or in a normal season, Duke is coming to Stillwater to play a basketball game. You know, this is a this is a power in the sport coming to your home for and giving you an opportunity. Now I know you talk about the, the OSU team is going to treat this like we should we should win this series. But does that have an impact? Like do they feel the pressure of this isn't just playing central Arkansas or or, you, you know, Grand Canyon or ORU, like, this is playing a team that is this, this much better than some of the other ones we've played thus far?
3: Yeah, I think that's what ba- makes baseball so unique is that every game can take on that same feel. And so you'll probably see a little more sense of urgency from the hitting side of things. Like, you'll probably see guys press maybe swing at stuff that they wouldn't normally swing at or, or you know, helping out other teams' pitchers because it's a big moment. Um, but what's so unique about baseball is basketball. There's so many plays that get made every single game. Football, there's so many plays. But baseball, like, you're, you're hitting, and that guy behind you, in a program like Oklahoma State, you're playing second base. That guy behind you is chomping at the bit for your spot every day. So when you play Central Arkansas, it's not so much I'm playing Central Arkansas. It's like, if I don't do this, like, if I, don't, if I go over for 4 today with 4Ks because I'm not paying attention, I'm not starting next year. You know, it's not – it's not football where if Rodarius Williams gets burned, which never happened, if he gets burned, he's going to get taken out of the game. Like in baseball, you will. You have a bad day pitching, you walk three guys in a row. Rob's going to come get you. Um, you know, so it's always a constant battle for yourself. What will be different and what will be really cool for the guys is just the atmosphere going into the game. You you know that it's a national talk talking point. You know that like the buzz around the stadium. And you feel the pressure, you feel the anxiety from the fans more than anxiety that you bring on from yourself. And that's what's really interesting about playing in, in big moments is, like, exactly how you feel as a fan is how you feel as a player. It's like you're on the field, and when everybody's going, this is going to go wrong, you're like, mm, this is going to go bad. <laughs> you know, like, you, you can feel it. And you're waiting for that moment to to turn it around. But, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. It's it's feeling that I miss for sure. is like feeling the fans have anxiety. And either knowing, yeah, you agree with it, or I can't wait to let go, let them ease this anxiety. But I'm excited to go to one game this weekend because now, from a fan's fan perspective, I can look at it like you guys were talking. Like, man, I hope we take two or three. You know, I hope I hope we win one. I hope we don't even get embarrassed. I hope this and that and that, and I hope we can upset them. But just from the locker room side, they'll be they'll be embarrassed if they lose two.
0: Before this interview, I talked with Burke Granger of D1 Baseball, who's gotten a look at, at guys like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. I got to watch them over the weekend against uh, Illinois Chicago. And how do you, like, when you're going up against a big name pitcher like that? And by big name, I mean a guy that's going to go and make nine million dollars in June this season. But between both of those guys, how do you how does Josh and the and the coaching staff approach going against you know guys like that that have that kind of name cachet and that like. You know this. This is going to be a really tough test for the, our entire team. It's going to be take a whole staff effort to, to get into this. You know, from a fan perspective, and from a you know you know very 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 amateur scouting perspective, like this is going to be really really difficult. And really, just the only way that you're going to be able to beat either of these guys is pray that their fastball command is off, which they which has happened at times to them this year. They've made they've sprayed their fastball everywhere. And Oklahoma State's got some patient hitters, but how, do you, how does the coaching staff approach something like this, like facing guys like this?
3: Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's give and take a little bit because obviously you're dealing with, I mean, some of these guys have 80-grade 80 80 grade stuff, which is uh, mm-hmm. like you don't see it ever. You don't see it in college. And they, they both can flash it. And, you know, but the thing is, the better they are, the more talk they have, the more film, the more information we have. And so you're not, you know, when we're when you're preparing to face Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, you're not watching a high-strung video stream from someone's backstop trying to see a guy's delivery to see how the ball comes out of his hand. You know, you have absolutely you have TrackMan data, RapSodo, every sort of data there is. Um, but this this weekend is where you're really going to see the advantage of Robin and Matt being on staff because when you face big league pitchers, which these guys, I mean, it's Barring injury, these guys are big league pitchers. You have to have a big league batting approach or you're going to get absolutely carved to death. And so where when you play face ORU, no disrespect, you can say, you know what? Uh, this guy throws 88. I'm going to sit curveball. I can adjust a fastball if it comes. You can't adjust a fastball if it's 98 miles an hour. It's not going to happen. So I know it's going to frustrate a lot of people, but you're going to see a lot of taken – fastballs this weekend in the strike zone it's going to be they're going to hit off of zones this weekend so when they say they're going to maybe they might have a guy go to plate so maybe Encarnacion strain walks up there and he's gotten a scouting report that says unless this ball arrives on the outer half of home plate do not swing until you get two strikes you know because maybe his maybe it's like Kumar Rocker's contact rate on the inside fastball is like seven 70 miles an hour is the average exit velo. Don't don't swing it. You're gonna get yourself out. So we have to swing it this this spot. You know that's where Matt and Robin are really gonna take advantage. They're like we have to take advantage of those guys because they know the big league hitting approach. They're some of the best to do it. Um, and that's what it is. It's we're gonna eliminate zones early in the count and two strikes. Gotta trust that you can hit. Um, and the, but that but that's the point with hitting off those guys. You have a ton of information. And that you have a ton of quality video. You'll, you'll be able to see all their pitches a thousand times before you go up there. But, yeah, you're going to see some taken take pitches in the strike zone that you're going to go, what are we doing? So it's going to be we're going to chase high pitch count, try to get them out of there. We're going to zone hit, and that's, that's going to be the move. And hopefully you get, you know, two or three big ones and, and get three on them before they get out of there. I mean, that's the goal. You want to win these games two to one, three to two, Two zero one zero. That's how. that's how you beat Vandy.
2: So, uh, okay, uh, as Joe likes to point at me on a regular basis, baseball is weird. I get it. Weird things happen. Stuff doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure I could explain it if I really understood all this stuff. But looking at the last two games, um, you know, sure started really strong. They continue to be really strong. One of the things I think has been the, the highlight of this team is they they don't make a lot of mistakes um, and they, they take advantage of the mistakes that their opponents make well. But there's one thing these last two games, OSU seems to have developed a habit of leaving guys on base. Um, I think we've had at least five instances of base's FOC, for cowboys for those who don't know, or that is also has a pronunciation that we cannot use in this podcast or we'll have to bleep it with animal sounds. Um, like one game is the thing, two games is not quite a trend, but almost like I understand game by game baseball is really weird. But is how do you figure out what trends are for a team? Is my idea like, is this something where okay, it was just two games, it's not a big deal, it's it's just a weird thing? Is it had to do with the way the, the, the team is being coached at this point, or is this something where you would actually be concerned about as we head into this big
3: series? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 concerning because there are uh, trends that teams fall into. One year we were the eighth inning team. We knew that if we were down by less than three in the eighth inning, we were going to score more than three in the eighth inning and we were going to be good. And you start to uh, – I wouldn't say two is a trend. I wouldn't even say two weeks is a trend. But once we did that five or six, you know, weeks in a row where it was like we get to the eighth inning and we're going to score, we just knew it was going to happen, right? And um, where you're going to see – I mean, it's going to be exposed this weekend because these guys, you know – jack Clatter, Kumar rocker they're gonna they're gonna try to save their best stuff for those situations so when those guys get on base it's gonna be they're you're gonna see some big league level nasty stuff coming to home plate and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough sudden with runners in scoring position and and that and that is where baseball is really hard too because so much plays into it it's like you get the bases loaded who's batting he hits one hard guy gets a double play, we score one run, you're like, ah, oh, that's frustrating, you know. Guy hits a four hundred foot foul ball, strikes out on the next pitch. You know, there's just so much that so much that goes into it. But like you were saying though, we've done that at Oklahoma State before where it's it has been a trend where we had a year where we could not it was our Omaha year. We could not score people with people in on in running in scoring position. And eventually it clicked and you started going, but we struggled with it hard and you feel it. You feel it. You really do. So that's a good point. It's, it's something to worry about uh, in the future and something we'll probably add more negative stats to this weekend. But I would say the negative stats would probably be caused by the pitching we're going to face.
0: It's one, of those, it's one of those just early in the year sort of things as well. And you, you see this in, in Major League Baseball too, where early on in the year you see more often than not guys are left on base At a higher clip than by the All Star break, just because guys are really starting to get their legs underneath them, they're getting more consistent at bats. They're starting to see spin a little bit more and see the ball better. You know, a couple weeks in than they do right away. So ten games in, and we saw they they had some games early on where they were really good at those in scoring positions. So I'm not worried about two games in. You know, the end of April, beginning of March, when it comes to you know, some of this stuff. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. But I'm not going to worry about it at this point because it's just two games against non-conference opponents. If we start to see this about the middle of conference play about the beginning of April and they're still consistently doing this. Yes. It it is a, a cause for concern, a huge red flag about the ceiling of this team. But right now I'm, I'm writing it off as just, you know, it's just two weird games.
2: yeah look i'm not the baseball guy on this podcast so all i can do is watch or have to listen on the radio because games are not available for some strange reason on any platform other than some weird ORU thing that sucked
0: that camera angle about? was like painfully awful it was oh, so it was so bad and i'm not looking
2: forward to having i'm not watching the flow the the old and game i'm not paying for flow baseball uh, flow is trying to destroy the olympic sports anyways um so looking at this team, I, I, it feels like pitching is a strength. I mean, it's not uh, – and I, and I think it's okay to say it's not quite Vanderbilt level, but it does feel like pitching is a is an absolute strength for this team. But where do you think that – where does the strength lie within that? Like what, what is it about OSU's pitching that has been so good?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just – it's 100% Rob Walton. He is – When you look at the guy's career, he's never missed an NCAA tournament. And he was turning out draft picks left and right at Oral Roberts when he was there. I mean, they were winning nonstop. He comes to us. He, you know, he pretty much could put together a a staff of guys that threw 88 to 92 miles an hour and lead the Big 12 in the ERA every single season. And now he's getting the recruits that the stadium is bringing him. Whereas these guys come in, they're not throwing 88 anymore. They throw 93, and now he can do his Rob Walton wizardry level activity with them. And all of a sudden, now it's 96, wherever they want to put it, with a disgusting breaking ball and a changeup. And the thing that's so good about Rob is nobody studies studies the opposing hitters better than Rob Walton does. And, you know, this guy will – it doesn't matter if you're playing Vandy or Prairie View A&M if they play him on friday he's in the office watching film on sunday night after the sunday series and he'll he knows every single hitter he knows every single at bat the charts that the dude has in front of him when you're not pitching their pitchers have jobs and there's two guys that just handle rob's charts and so rob's looking at four different charts before just calling any pitch and he does it flawlessly and he know like if you struggle with something he knows what it is and that's what rob is so good at is he finds guys that can pitch to his scouting reports and those are the guys that pitch so if you see a guy that throws 98 and he doesn't pitch very much it's like well what the heck well he can't pitch the scouting report that he wants to throw to and and you know you see guys like parker scott just taking advantage and embarrassing hitters and undressing them and rob is just like pulling the strings he's like the puppet master behind just every pitch he every pitch that he calls is i mean you're on the mound and you're like Oh, I would throw this here and then boom, there it is. You're like, okay, that sounds good. And he always said to us, you know, like one of our pitchers said, Rob, can we shake off? He said, yeah, but it better be good. You know, it better work. So it was like, okay. You know, and, uh, but he just watches so much film and, and, you know, he's a secret that, you know, he, he didn't, he's getting into the technology side of things, but he really doesn't need it, which is really wild to say in this day of age, but it's almost, as like, he knows more it's It's almost like the introduction of the technology phase has even enhanced the Rob Walton effect because now people can just look at this computer and be like, "Oh, this is what it's doing, and they don't have to pay as much attention to the player because they have all the information of what is actually going on. Well, Rob sees, yeah, that kid has ninety five mono average on the slider, but he's only seen fifteen this whole year, and he hit fifteen of them hard, but they were all not our sliders like Maybe they threw sixteen slider teams, swung and missed one, look like an idiot, and it's Parker Scott slider, you know? And that that he'll see ten of them that weekend. And that's the stuff that puts Rob above everybody else is his ability to watch opposing hitters and see his pitching staff in his brain go, That kid's gonna work there. And it's it's absurd. I'm so glad that we have him. I'm glad I pitched for him too.
0: I think you have, when you have the combination of a guy that has, you know, is such a veteran in the game of Rob Walton and so good at what he does. And you combine that now with the pitching lab, that's in Obrate with Rapsod and Edutronic and being able to combine those two things and have the technology that shows how guys spin the ball effect and to spin the ball more efficiently and tunnel their pitches better and do all that. And you add it. And then Rob can go out on the mound with all of that information. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck folks. Um, and he's and like I said, he's getting the recruits now where he's not having to recruit guys that throw eighty-eight to ninety and try and do do what they can. It's ninety-five for most of the pitching staff this year, uh, you know. And you even got have guys like Zach Cable that can pump triple digits with a splitty that's just atrociously disgusting. The who who do you think is the best pitcher on this staff? I we have differing opinions, but I, I'm curious who you think is the best if you could rank like maybe the top three pitchers in your opinion for the staff this
3: year. Yeah. I I mean, the best pitcher on the staff, in my opinion is Parker Scott. You know, when you look up the definition of a pitcher, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's guy goes out, throw commands, three, four pitches, puts it where he wants it, controls the pace of the game dominates. And what makes Parker special is he doesn't do it with the as explosive stuff. It's just yeah. an absolute – he commands the game. It's his game every time he steps on the mound. And then, you know, Rob Rob really nails it. Um, he's got, you know, how we did kind of our, our staff there and how I think that this one is built is I think he has his three – the three guys he's most confident in. You know, Parker Scott, Friday guy, boom, put him there. I think the guy he's second most confident in is Brett Stanley. So you're going to say – okay, a second guy we're most confident in, we're going to put him as our stopper in the bullpen. He's going to handle any mess we have. And, yeah, Brett's the closer, but he's also kind of the, we need to just end the game, please. You know, uh, get really, us out of here. Uh,
0: it's kind of, He kind of has that, um, like, Andrew Miller, Liam Hendricks, Blake Trinan, like the dude that you just bring in, hey, we need outs here. You're not the closer. You can be in the ninth inning if it's a one-run game, but if we need two outs here in the seventh and eighth inning, here, we're, you're you're going in right now.
3: Yeah. And so, you know, for he from for me, he's my number two and then Robleski's my number three, the Saturday guy with the electric just he's disgusting.
0: That's he's absolute hammer of a curveball.
3: Yeah, he's nasty. But what's crazy is you look up and down the staff and you know, Cale Davis, right? So this kid is he's very young, probably not gonna he's probably gonna throw twenty five innings this year this kid would have been our Sunday starter, (laughs) you know, like that. That's what's absurd about the staff is you could look up and down left and right. And where we were bringing out guys that could really pitch, but they could really pitch at 87. They're bringing out, Oh no, we're getting thin this weekend. Here comes 92 with sink. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well,
0: when Cale Davis is on his, his, Fastball's basically like a bowling ball with the way he, he gets that, that tilt on his fastball, that's the way he sinks it. Yeah. i mean, Brett Stanley, I I liked him as a starter. I, I think the stuff was good, but it ticks up so much better out of the bullpen in those one two inning spurts where he can rear back and throw ninety-five, or there's really like ninety to ninety-one as a starter. And his his slider's gotten that much better. John Kelly's throwing just frisbees out of the bullpen. Uh, you know Roman Fa- uh, fanselcar, who really struggled in that game against, I believe, it was Wichita State, and he's Bitteschi. come back. Cool. Yeah, and now has come back, and he's been lights out the last two games. He's been awesome. Like you mentioned, Zach Cable throwing triple digits doesn't really know where it's going half the time. But when you throw a hundred, your margin for error is a little bit greater, especially at the college level with the the split change that he throws. Like it's just up and down. Bryce Osmond has, you know, his fastball command has not been great, but the stuff's electric. It really is. I mean, when he's going and it's up to 95, 96, with that wipeout slider and a, and a pretty good changeup off of it, the, there isn't a guy in this lineup or in the in the rotation and in the bullpen that I'm not confident in when they step on the mound because they all find ways to get outs in own way.
3: This is a this is a uh, like super confident saying. This is a double A pitching staff. I mean, yeah, you that's have fair. yeah, yeah, you have double A starters up and down. And then you have guys come out of the bullpen and they throw fuzz. I mean, that's what, that. This is pro baseball. They're playing pro baseball at Obreg.
0: We're clipping that quote right there specifically. I love that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I like it just about Stanley. I'm, a, I'm, like, it reached the point, and really, you reached the point. Like after the first game, like, oh, is he coming in? Okay, game's over. We've won. Like uh, that's just he just. There was you mentioned the. the I'm not trying to correct you. I think it's Fansalker. I thought it was fansalkar and then I actually heard them say it on the radio, and so I guess it's Fansalker, so now I will say it properly. Thanks. Uh, thank you, radio guys. Um, like He had that inning, that rough inning against Wichita State, and Stanley came in and gave up one more run, cleared it out, and ever since then, you're just like, oh, is he? Okay, we're good. Is he coming into? Oh, okay, fine. Game's over. Thank you. Uh, just go ahead and finish the game off. Like, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like, oh, she's had good pitching. But knowing that you have guys that you just bring in in the eighth, maybe he'll play an inning. Maybe he'll play two. Maybe he'll play. He'll get rid of two batters and be done. But it's fine because we're good to go. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It, it really – like, I'm not even a baseball guy. It was kind of kind of fun to watch him. You just know when he comes in, oh, that glorious beard is going to get us out of whatever's wrong. And we'll be
0: fine. Is, <laughs> I, I'll, I will say this at the end of time. That is an 80-grade beard. It is yeah, it ridiculous. Is. Mm-hmm. 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 all right Trey do you have any sort of official can you give me any sort of official prediction for how you think this weekend is going to go obviously it's tough for a three-game stretch I said I think Vandy wins two out of three but I think Oklahoma State's going to play tough they're they're not going to go away with the way Josh coaches these guys up and Rob and all that like, they're they're going to give Vandy a fight I just think I Vandy's just they're, they're Vandy like they're, they just they are who they are and I think Oklahoma State is still a very good team. They're still, I think they're still going to get to Omaha. But I, I think that it's going to be another year or two. So I think they're on the level of a team like that that can be a legit top five every single year. But we're, to, we're starting to see a trend in the right direction, absolutely. I, I love this team. It's one of the best I've seen at Oklahoma State over the last five, six years. And this weekend isn't going to take anything away from, from what they are. But I, I what, what do you think? I, I'm kind of talking in circles here.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think we win two of three. The only, the only place I see it going wrong would be, uh, you know, Robleski or Osman, just because they haven't been, they haven't had this start before. They haven't had the high anxiety bunch of fans and they could very well go out and shove with it. Maybe that is where they get in their mindset where they pitch their best. Our thing is we don't, know if they're big game pitchers or not yet. We haven't seen it happen. We just know that they're really, really good. Um, we know they've had success and we it's just can they have success at this level this early in the season? I'm betting that they can. So I'm going to take OSU two or three um, to throw one of the ba- favorite baseball terms out. Whoever has the least amount of toot blondes this weekend should win. No getting thrown out on the bases like a nincompoop. That is what Loses games versus Vandy versus an Oklahoma State pitching staff. And I know you love it, but we're going to small ball. We're not going to try. We're not going to try to piece together three hits to score versus Coomer Rocker. He's going to walk a guy. We're going to, with no outs, we're going to bunt him to second. And we're going to try to hit a little single somewhere to score him
0: giving up outs against the best college pitcher out there doesn't feel like a good recipe, but you know, I'll, I'll take it.
3: Yeah. But we're
0: going to do it. You hate bunting Joel. It, it is. It, but unless you are legitimately trying to butt for a base hit because you're fast, I hate it.
3: <laughs> I know you do Joel, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know no, what? I'm just gonna for wanna you. Te-
0: I'm going to want to tear my hair out, but if a score run, Cool. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but I just
3: want. Them. Just for you, I'm going to put it into the universe that it's going to be the sixth inning, zero zero, and we're going to bunt down the third baseline. Kuma Kumar Rocker is going to field it and throw it into the right field alley, and we're going to score. We're going to score two. It's going to be first and second, no outs. We're going to try to bunt. Boom! He's going to launch it down the line, and that's how we're going to win. Two one with a Kuma Rocker sailed throw it over first base. <thuddening>
2: Joe, we yeah, should just call this the no the no bunt no putt no bunt no punt podcast. That would have been a much better
3: name. I, I yeah, there you go. Yeah, I do enjoy. it. We're gonna bunt this weekend, and and somebody's <laughs> gonna hit a stupid bomb that's gonna go viral.
2: I I want that to happen just just because Joe will still text me. I hate bunting. <laughs>
3: We're going to be super successful bunting this weekend, and Joel's just going to hate every second of it.
0: You're, you're absolutely right. But if it leads to Encarnacion Strand hitting a ball to freaking, like, Ponca City, then I'm good with it.
3: Yeah. Wind's probably going to blow in this weekend too, so that's extra good for uh, the small ball.
0: Yeah. You've got <laughs> enough dudes on this, on this lineup that can hit through wind coming at you.
3: Yeah, that's true. But, yes, small ball, small ball weekend. I on. think yeah
0: I think my my biggest key for this game or for this weekend is when you have guys like Kumar and and Lighter that I mean they're they're breaking stuff they're sliders their curve in both their sliders and Lighter's curveball or those those are legit plus major league pitches that would play in the big leagues right now. You cannot give up hittable fastballs in the zone. And both of them their fastballs are really flat and if they leave one belt high two 1 I need to see them be aggressive in some of these spots. Now, I'm not saying every single one, but they need to pick their spots with some of these power hitters like Encarnacion, Strand, Cavendish, uh, Brock Mathis, where the, I needed them to just turn it loose and just close eyes, swing hard, and go for it at times. Because you're going to have to piece it. And I'm not, I'm not expecting these guys to piece together five, six hit innings. It's just not going to happen. I th- and I think this team is really good at frenzy hitting in spots, but you're going to have to kind of swing for the downs sometimes and just try and get one on these guys because – If you get to two strikes, good luck, man. It's just – it's so tough with everything these guys can throw at you that I want to see them be a little bit more aggressive in the zone, in hitters' counts. And I understand working pitch count, and I get it, and I think it's a very effective strategy. But Vanderbilt also has a bunch of horses in the bullpen that are also really tough to hit. So it doesn't matter. You know, you you can work the count against ORU where their best pitcher is starting, and then they can kind of – pray, and then they pray that their bullpen holds up With Vanderbilt, it's okay. I got one, you know, five star kid coming in. Okay, here's another one. It's like Alabama. It's like Alabama football. It's like Duke basketball. There's just they have high recruit after high recruit after high recruit coming in. This dude just throws one inning and throws 97. So that's my biggest key for this one.
3: Glad we're playing him in March and not May. That's what. That's all I'll say. I need. I need as many young unsure arms in their bullpen as possible right now. That's what. That's what I'm counting on. Fair enough. Do you have
0: not non-baseball person here? Do you have any keys for this? I'm, I'm curious what you, what you're thinking about this series, Philip.
2: The non-baseball guy makes baseball predictions.
0: Um, yes, that's what I need.
2: They get one for sure. I, I, I've seen some of the national stuff, the D1 baseball, the baseball nation. And I do I love the baseball nation guys. I really do. Uh, the contract nation. Um, I don't. I don't think OSU gets swept in this series I, I, at all. There's no way, unless they're all like four, three, three, two, five, four. Vandy just wins by one. Um, so I believe Oklahoma State absolutely wins one. Hmm. And I know OSU's competition hasn't been the best. And I don't. And it's not that Wichita State, Illinois State, Grand Canyon are, are bad. It's not Vanderbilt. But I also think, you know, yeah, they expect to win this, but I also think there's a certain amount of this team knows, has to know how big the series is. They have to, I mean, it's Vanderbilt. It's not like OSU hasn't seen Vanderbilt. They've done like practices with them the last couple of years in, in games that didn't matter, right? And Josh Halliday's connection to Vanderbilt. I just I feel like this of all you know, it's fun to have like Oregon State and stuff show up. This series feels a little bit personal, um, and I'm feeling weirdly optimistic. So I'm gonna say OSU wins two of three.
3: Let's go! That's what we needed—more positive energy. The positive I energy podcast.
2: This is a personal look. Holiday was an assistant. At Vandy, OSU, and Vandy go in like off-season scrimmage. I, I think I. I Yeah, I'm going with two of three. I don't care. I'm I'm feeling uh, the orange is pumping through my veins.
0: I do like well. You talk about Oklahoma State's competition. You know they haven't played a marquee series yet. Vanderbilt hasn't either. They played, I believe, Wright State, Georgia State, and Illinois, Chicago. So Georgia State's not bad. We're, we're, no, and I think, the, and they beat Vandy one of those games. It, really, it was also a game that neither Kumar or Jack Lighter pitched. But so they said they one win. Yes, but but <laughs> they have but they have not. But like they haven't really played anyone big either and if there's any game that I think Oklahoma State could sneak and I think they could sneak Saturday Jack Leiter hasn't I he only pitched like I think 15 innings last year and they were all in you know kind of non-conference games toward the beginning of the year I don't I don't think he pitched against anybody big so this is a big test on the road for a big name arm you know can he handle it and you know i this is where i wish that over could be full capacity because if you give me a full capacity over for this series it would be one of the best atmospheres in all of college baseball and even at 25 percent the student section out in right center gets going and it's pretty it's been pretty fun so far and the crowd really is into it they know good baseball they you know they love being there it's a beautiful stadium i i, I want to talk myself into two or three but i'll I'll hold firm at one, but I really do. I think there's a very distinct possibility they could sneak two, but I'm not going to be definitive about it.
2: I always go back to the road series in Oregon State. I understand Oregon State wasn't as good that year, and this this team is better than that. But OSU somehow went all the way up to Corvallis and stole a uh, full three-game sweep. I just... And look, they've also lost series to Grand Canyon last season, blah, blah, blah. blah. I get it. Baseball's weird. I'm tired of hearing that. It doesn't That's not a Whatever. But I, I'm, i yeah, I'm feeling optimistic. Uh, I like this team. This
3: yeah, I really like this team. So, got our predictions in for the series. Mm-hmm. Can we add one more prediction? Over, under 90 total strikeouts for the weekend.
2: Mm.
0: Combined for both teams. Ooh. Yep. I'll pencil. I mean, I'm going to pencil on Kumar and Jack for like 10. I'm probably gonna ugh. under. I'm gonna go under, but it's gonna be like eighty-five. Yeah. Was,
3: That's the trade cop odds over under ninety strikeouts for the weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I'll go under, but I don't think it's gonna be like dramatically under. Like it'll be like between eighty and eighty five. Yeah. Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna continue with the over under game, uh over under two and a half uh get times that the gap band is played. This weekend, two and a half under
3: Unearthed. under wind blowing in tough arms over under seven sacrifice bunts.
0: <laughs> I hope it's zero, <laughs> but uh, I don't think there's that. I don't think there should be that many. I, I'll go under. No, I,
3: that was no, yeah. that's not gonna happen, <laughs> not unless Donnie Walton came back, the king of sacrifice bunts, even though he was hitting 400. I'm glad you weren't. You weren't too. That was. That was. I think right before you got to school, that would have probably.
0: That would have. That, I think That's hit, your, best, I, that's your I, best hitter giving up an out.
3: Oh. <laughs> I think his sophomore year, he hit like 350 and had 47 sack bunts.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think like if like a guy like Caden Trinkle or you know Matt Gold or something like that, you know, a guy with at least a little bit of speed that can you know make maybe run one out. If they're gonna sack bunt, like, okay. But if I see Christian Encarnacion Strand square around, I might lose my mind.
3: <laughs> Small ball wins. Small ball's gonna win. Small ball wins in college.
0: Yeah. I mean if if the weather's bad, I can see it. I won't love it. But again, if it leads to runs, I won't I won't be near as upset.
2: Yeah. Okay, well in that case, over under 20 total runs scored.
3: Oh, under.
0: 20 total in 3 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I think this is a series that it's going to it's going to be like 3-1, 3-2, 2-1, something like that. Like both teams are really going to have to manufacture their runs. I don't I don't see many crooked numbers on the scoreboard for the entire series. I really don't. There we go. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun series. I'm I'm so excited for a marquee series like this. We were supposed to get Oregon State last year. We Kind of upgrade and get Vanderbilt, and then you go there next year. I, I think this is one of those non-con series that we're going to see pretty often in the future. And I think part of it is just the familiarity that Josh has with Tim Corbin and Vanderbilt as a whole. That if they play this, you know, once every couple of years, I mean, and especially on the trajectory Oklahoma State's going, it will be like it is this year, one of the best non-conference series in all of college baseball. So this is a this is a massive deal for you. I'm sure that if you're going out to a break this weekend, enjoy it. This is a really – this is a big deal
3: for Oklahoma
0: State and college baseball as a whole. So, I, I'm so excited for what this this weekend is going
3: to show, showcase here. No doubt about that. Hopefully, I'll see some of you all out there on Sunday, and hopefully it's a either going for a sweep or a rubber match. So
0: Rubber, match on, rubber match on Sunday would be an, just intense. My goodness. I will be there on Friday and Saturday. I'm hoping that I get to see both Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. From what I've heard, they're trying to get them back on that Friday, Saturday stretch after the beginning of the year, they had to play a doubleheader on Monday and it's completely thrown off what they're trying to do. So they're trying to get them back on that Friday, Saturday for conference play. So might see both of those guys early. So maybe they can sneak one and then go, go for the rubber match on Sunday. That would be, that would be awesome. All right, go pokes beat Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be so this is gonna be a ton of fun. I cannot wait to see what Cowboy Baseball pulls out this weekend. We will talk to you guys next week with a full recap of all of the Oklahoma State sports that happened this week. Take care everyone.